We have a privilege tonight to be part of the ordination service for James Nickerson. Tonight you'll hear from several different men who will talk about James, who will talk to James about being a deacon, but you also hear as we talk to the church about the role of the deacon and their importance to the life of our church. Serving as a deacon is a wonderful calling from God. We have a process that we go through to examine men who will serve on the deacon body here at Wind Baptist Church. It is probably the most thorough and most grueling process. Uh, I think they asked more serious questions of the candidate to serve as a deacon in this church than they did of me as a pastor. Uh, it, is, it is serious business. And the men who serve among us as deacons are godly men. And they love the Lord. But you need to understand, although we have been faithful to this process of recognizing someone that we believe God is calling to be a deacon, we need to understand as a congregation that God is the one who raises up leaders for his church. And we can be thankful for that. So this is not just something we are accomplishing at Wynn Baptist Church. It's something that God is doing. Several people I want to introduce to you. And uh, I'm going to explain to you how the service is going to go. And, uh, and after my introduction, I'm going to let each of you who I'm going to introduce come on up here in the order in which I mentioned you and, uh, and share with us. First of all, tonight, Kenny Moore, one of our deacons, is going to come and introduce our candidate uh, for ordination. And, um, and Kenny and James have a special relationship. And I think that will be clear as he shares uh, before he introduces James. At that point, James Nickerson is going to come and share with us his salvation testimony of how God changed his life, how he came to know him as Lord and Savior. After him, we have a special guest, Kirk Nicholas, who is one of the pastors at Hope Community Church from Huntsville, Alabama, a longtime friend of the Nickersons, and he's going to come and share not only some thoughts about his relationship with James, but also some points to James about this assignment that God is giving him to serve as a deacon. He'll be coming after James's testimony. After Kirk has shared with us, our chairman of the deacons, Tommy Owens, is going to come and bring a report from the ordination council that met at 4.30 this afternoon to meet with James and to ask him further questions. Uh, at that point, I will return and we will continue our service from there, I'll have a few words to share before we have the laying on of hands. How many of you have been in a service where someone's been ordained and we've laid hands on them? Okay. How many of you, this is the first time you've ever been in a service like this where there's an ordination? I see one, two, three, four. We have a few. It is a special time. I want to thank you for coming and being a part of the service. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to ask uh, at that point that Kenny Moore would come and get us started. Let's pray. Father, I know that whenever you raise up someone to lead and to serve in a church, sometimes it catches us by surprise. And we're thankful for those moments when we recognize that you're calling us to serve. But Father, it comes as no surprise that you have raised up James Nickerson to serve among us. We are thankful to you, Lord, for bringing he and Jill and their their sons here to win Arkansas for bringing their family here, planting them in our community, and more significantly, planting them in the life of this church. And Father, tonight, we welcome you here. We ask that through your Holy Spirit, not only would you bless James and his family and his friends that have gathered here with him tonight, but we pray, Almighty God, that you would speak to each of our hearts about our own calling and the, the plan that you have for each of us to serve you and to serve your people. Father, as this service continues, we pray that you would superintend every detail, every aspect of it. In the process, may we hear your voice and may you get all the glory, all the glory, all the praise for what we hear and learn and see tonight. For we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Kenny? 
Wayne Baptist. Uh, I didn't get the memo that I was going first. He kind of sprung that on me. And at the same time, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to correct a preacher on something. I'm really not a deacon. It's Kenneth. <laughs> so that even makes it harder. Uh, so, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I'll share with you all how my family in, uh, came to know Nick and uh, James Nickerson, but he's Nick to us. Uh, it's, um, it's a story about how God's working everywhere. Uh, you know, I remember back in 2005, Katrina come ashore and um, the great tragedies were going on. And uh, that very next weekend was Memorial Weekend. And uh, my family and I went up to our cozy little home up in Heber Springs and we got up on the Sunday morning and uh, was gathering around to have prayer and, and devotion like we always did. We were away from church on Sunday and God laid it on all of our hearts. We weren't having a good time because you had these people losing everything and it still breaks my heart <clears throat> you know we talk about and wonder what how we'd act if if we lost everything we owned or thought we were going to lose it or we hear a storm's coming these people lived literally were leaving not knowing what their destiny was where they were going to go and every possession they had being wiped away but at the same time god was dealing with us there was another family praying and asking god for mercy for help and um Anyhow, we, we sit around and we talk about, you know, how, how could we help? What could we possibly do? And uh, uh, Coach Moore now, Kenneth, uh, my son, was beginning his coaching career and win, and he had to come home early because they had practice on Monday morning. And I'll never forget on the way home, the phone rang around Fair Oaks, and uh, it was Kenneth. Now, bear with me, people. This is just, uh, but anyway. <clears throat> he said, Dad, you know, we discussed how we could help someone. He said, I just met a family up at the field house and said, you know, my heart just goes out to them. They're, 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 they're concerned about their, their, their kids. They want to get them back in school as quick as possible. They need a place to stay. They don't have any finances. You know, how can we help? And we discussed, we knew where, where a house was out here behind the uh, Baptist Youth Camp. And, and uh, so we came in and we went down to the Baptist Youth Camp and out, out come Nick. And, you know, I was expecting to see this sad, beat-up guy, but somehow or another, he mustered up a smile, one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen in my life. And I thought, wow. And he got in a car with total strangers. We drove down the road and pulled up this place. I have to describe it to you. It, was, it used to be an underground house, and <clears throat> they took the roof off of it, and, and basically it was a basement now. We pull up there, and we go downstairs, and, and, and I'm apologizing. You know, it needs to be cleaned up. It needs this, needs that. He turned around the doorway of that, that run-down-looking place and said, when can I move my family in here? I'll never forget it. I looked at him and I said, do you think you could hold on for a couple of days? I'd like to get some people together and clean it up for you and make it a little nicer. He said, oh, we'll clean it up. That's no problem. We'll take it just like it is. And uh, we persuaded him to wait. And uh, <clears throat> at that time, Kenneth was teaching home. It was a college class or a uh, high school class here at the church, Sunday school. He said, well, I'll call some of the students and we'll get some people out there. And I took off work the next day because I really, I expected maybe two or three to show up. Let me tell you people, this church showed up in groves. There were so many people, we, we, we were bumping into one another. And it wasn't just our church, it's people in the community. And, and it's like with them homemaker with things. I mean, in two or three days, it, 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 you, you know, it just changed. And uh, <clears throat> Nick came out and brought his family and he's going to cram seven, I think seven, and maybe more than that in this little, old, basically one, be one room, one bedroom house. It was just a little place out there, and it basically was a basement. And there again, I'm expecting to see sad faces. They, they come out of that car, and them two little old boys bouncing around, smiling and laughing, and I'm like, wow. You know, and, and if Nick tells his story, he's going to tell a little different. He's going to tell about what Wim Baptist did for him and maybe what my family did, but let me tell you what he did for us. I saw a man with a heart for God. He ministered to me and done more for me than I ever did for him and for our family. Folks, I can't tell you. I mean, we're standing out there at times, and, and you hear this statement, God is good. 
and, and, and we're discussing it. And he's immediately trying to find work, trying to find work. He wasn't wanting a handout. But he said, God is good. And he meant it, and you felt it. You know, I, and that's how my family got to go. I mean, I could eat up, eat up the whole night telling you about Nick, and I won't do it. But I'm going to tell you this. What he brings to Wim Baptist is something we all need. And, and he's a brother in Christ, a true brother. And he will work. He will reach out. You will see the scripture come alive in him. And humble, we use that word very loosely, but one of the most humble men I've ever met in my life. And you don't get just Nick. You get Jill. You know, behind every good man, there's a good woman. No, he's got one front behind and beside him. <laughs> she is something else. And their family is just, we fell in love with them. Uh, I do have a scripture I want to share, and I was trying to think of, you know, yeah, there's so many that, that, that fit this. But uh, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord is a key word, and, and I'll tell you, this is a man that trusts in God in all things. Now, I present my brother, Nick Nickerson. Thank you, Kenny. Uh, thank everybody. God loves y'all, and so do I. I'd like to, first of all, thank God for placing me and my family in the city of Wynn, Arkansas. Thank God for our pastor and all of our members and the community of Wynn, Arkansas. I, uh, Kitty Moore, oh. I love the Moors, and they love us. Uh, my testimony, that's why I'm here to give you guys my testimony. I, I accepted Christ in my life at the age of 12. Had a lot of stories before that, but I'm not going to get into all that. But uh, <laughs> I accepted Christ in my life at the age of 12. I come to realize the walk with Christ much later than when I accepted Christ in my life. I took a job with Franklin Avenue Baptist Church, which was a divine move. Franklin Avenue Baptist Church is in New Orleans, Louisiana, pastor of Reverend Fred Luter, who was the who who just did his second term as the Southern Baptist Association president, uh, he just finished his second term. He was actually my senior pastor in New Orleans. Uh, like I said, I accepted Christ into my life in 1972. Got baptized at beautiful no at. Uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Boutique, Louisiana. Uh, like Kenny said, Hurricane Katrina picked us up, spent us around, then set us down. Uh, my wife asked me, she said, uh, are we gonna stay or are we gonna go back? I said, let's, let's pray on this. Prayed on it. Felt that God was leading me and the family to, well, Deacon Noel, the way we got here and when, we first evacuated to El Dorado, Arkansas. Uh, Deacon Charles Noel 
who was a deacon at Franklin Avenue Baptist Church and a good friend of mine. He called me up after the storm and said, where are you? I said, I'm in a place called, a place called El Dorado, Arkansas. Uh, no, no, no one. And I, so I, I knew he was in Memphis. So I said, how's everything in Memphis? He said, we're not in Memphis. He said, we're in a place called Wynn, Arkansas. I said, Wynn, Arkansas? He said, yeah. He said, man, you, you and your family got to come here. This place is full of godly people. He, he said it, and I, I was like, well, Deacon, I, I didn't pay for a hotel room for the night, so maybe uh, tomorrow, you, uh, do they have room for all of us? Because I got like eight people with me, seven, eight people. And he said, hold on. And uh, he said, yeah, they say come. They, they didn't out, they, the people of Wynn didn't only say come. They say, do you need gas money? So I'm like, well, yeah, well, we got gas money. We, we get there, we get there. So I, I didn't know Wynn even existed. I didn't know Wynn was on the map. But when I got here, what he told me, I found so true. Uh, not only is Wynn the city of with a smile, it's a city filled with godly people from the south. And I know, I, I still get that wrong because uh, just the other day I said, going south, and the guy said, south that way, you know. <laughs> so, so I still get that mixed up, but from north, south, east, and west of the, the cross county community, it's full of godly people. And, and, and everything I've done, I feel God has led me, even up until especially today god is always you know he's you can't outdo him and i say those i say that because it's, it's in my heart you just can't outdo god no matter how much planning you do you no know, just have the faith of a mustard seed just allow him to work in your life he's worked in my life he's worked in my wife's life uh, Brother Don, I, I, I could go on and on and on, but just, just know that God is working in, in, in Wynn, Arkansas, not just through me, through all of us. I, thank you, Brother Hodel. Uh, I see Pastor Willis in the back. Thank you, Pastor Willis. Pastor Ford, thank you, Pastor Ford. God is awesome God. God, Pastor Kirk, my almost childhood friend, uh, who, what? Thank you, Wynn Baptist Church, and thank you, Brother Don. And I have to say and always say, God loves you and so do I. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord again. How can you lose with a city named Wynn? <laughs> no, God got a good sense of humor. And I told your pastor after the service this morning, I said, I've been here before. And um, what I meant, I've been in this worship atmosphere before. Uh, many of you I've seen for the first time, but I believe I worshiped with you before. God is a good God. He's merciful, forgiving, and kind, and loving. And if I don't know anything else about God, I know this one thing. When God moves, we better move with him. And I believe God has done a great thing by this ordination. I'm proud to be a friend of Nickerson. I met Nickerson in 1980. And uh, I know I have only a couple of minutes, but I'm not a long speaker. But one thing about a preacher, you can't give him a mic. <laughs> so um, I've, been, I've been charged to give him a charge. So I'm going to reminisce about one incident out of many that 
me and Nickerson encounter, and I'm going to try to kind of tie that in with the charge uh, tonight. We was roommates in uh, Huntsville, and I'm not saying what you say this, this afternoon, but we was roommates in uh, Hunter on Airfield, Savannah, Georgia. 1980, late 1980, and we shared the same room, but it was one difference. I was the only one cleaning up. <laughs> he would never clean up, and and I used to wonder why, you know, because um, you know we have inspections and they come in and they'll give you a dinero if you uh, you know your room not clean. But I would I, I would be the only one to clean a room, and it used to frustrate me. So um, this one particular afternoon, you know, when he came and I asked him, I said, man, I said, we share the same room. I said, but you don't never clean up. And what he don't realize then, and I didn't realize that he taught me a great um, life lesson. He, his, his simple response was, why should I when you do it? I know it sounds funny. It, it sounds funny, but I'm going to tie that in with this charge I'm going to give them. And that's how I'm going to get them back. But it, but it spoke volumes to me. You know, it spoke volumes. And Kenny uh, kind of took my scripture, but I'm still going to use it anyway because I believe God, you know, uses all of us to uh, confirm his word. And Nickerson, here's my charge to you. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. What an awesome responsibility it is to be a deacon. And I was a deacon at our church, and just from my personal experience, we've placed in different ministries in the church. And one of the things about a deacon is you're going to be looked up to, you're going to have influence, and you're in a place where you're going to have to make decisions, and the decisions can affect lives and change lives. So here's the charge. When you have to make a decision, pray first. When you have to speak before a mass of people, pray first. Whenever you have to do anything, whenever you have to visit, someone. Pray first. Always pray. Seek God first in all your doings. What you taught, excuse me, what you taught me when you say why should I do it, when, when you do it, what you taught me is that we all have to hold each other accountable for our own responsibilities. So if I had kept cleaning that room then he wouldn't have been held accountable to do his part. So we're responsible to each other, to hold each other accountable. And I'm so glad that I have people that hold me accountable for my actions. Because if I didn't, then I would do whatever I wanted to do without any consequences. And the Bible says that a man's going is of the Lord. How then can he understand his own ways? So we're here to help one another. We're here to love one another. And I'm going to say this one thing about when, and then I'm going to take my seat. Y'all almost persuaded me to move to when. <laughs> when, Kenny, when Kenny was talking about the hurricane and Hurricane Katrina and, and, and how Nickerson was just received and how this church poured out to to um, the Nickerson family, I was saying Katrina need to come to Huntsville. <laughs> Maybe we can move to win. But um, but I love you guys and 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 you know, I wish it wouldn't have took me so this long to come to win. I mean, I feel the love of God in this place. I feel the love of I I I believe the whole city of Win is saved. <laughs> it can be that way. And this is a uh, Nickerson. I believe God has ordained for you to be in this place. And I believe you're going to make a difference. And I believe God's going to use you in a mighty way. God bless you. We love you. And we'll be back soon. Amen. God's willing.
Ordination Council has unanim unanimously, I said I was going to get that right, but I missed it again, has unanimously voted to continue with the ordination of James Nickerson. Thank you, Tommy. Why be a deacon? In 1 Timothy 3, the qualifications for deacons are described and listed there. I'm not going to read the entire passage. I encourage you to do it on your own at some time. But I want to read verse 13 for 1 Timothy 3. Why be a deacon? The Bible says, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He starts off and says, for those who have served well as deacons. Nick hasn't served well as a deacon yet because he's just beginning. But to serve well as a deacon is a very full statement. It means a great deal. In Acts chapter 6, we have a description of what most Bible scholars tell us was the first instance in which deacons were identified, selected, and put to work. And in that story, you have a group of women in the church who, when they left the synagogue to become Christians, lost all of their financial support. And so they were dependent on the church in order to have their, their welfare taken care of. And one group of widows felt slighted they were all Jewish in their background, but some spoke, some were native Hebrews who spoke in the Jewish language. Others were foreign born and they were Greek speakers. And so even though they had a common Hebrew background, they had differences. And one group felt like the other was getting preferential treatment. At which point you have a division that's about to form in the church. And it's just the nature of what happens when you have a group of people come together. We come with different expectations and we come with different needs and it's just a matter of time before there'll be some kind of disagreement or argument or difference like that. And this is the first time that this is being recorded and described in the New Testament, in the church. Now, what's really significant is how the apostles responded to this. You have an imminent division about to take place. You have elderly women who were depending on the church for their very survival. And how do these apostles respond? The way they responded probably would have got them fired in the average Baptist church. They said, God didn't call us to wait tables. I hope the ladies weren't listening when they said that. Those are serious words. But God's called us to do something else, and so what we're asking you to do, church, is to choose from yourselves seven men who have a good reputation, who are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And that fullness of the Spirit was an observable quality or they could not have identified those men. And so they selected those seven men. There's an imminent division. They are threatened with being distracted from the primary mission of God that, that had been assigned to them, to preach the word, to pray, to do ministry, to advance the kingdom. And rather than be distracted, what was the solution that God created deacons every church has a little bit different job description for deacons in some churches they handle ministries of different kinds they they oversee practical things they look at budgets they look at buildings in some churches they do ministries to the poor and to the needy in other churches they're kind of like a board that oversees all of the activities of the church every church has something that's a little different but here's what every deacon has in common. To serve well as a deacon means that your primary assignment to the church 
is to keep it relationally healthy and whole and strong. To not let the enemy ever fracture the church. That's why they had to be full of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have to be full of the Holy Spirit to serve plates on Wednesday night. But they did need to be full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit in order to bring those ladies together and to keep the church healthy and strong. And so he says, those who have served well like that as deacons, men who have stood in the gap when there's a fracture, when there's something that threatens the life of Christ in the church, when those men have served well, they get for themselves two things. And this answers the question, why be a deacon? First, they get a deeper life, a deeper life. It says he obtain, they obtain for themselves a good standing. The word standing describes something like a pillar or a step that someone gets up on and suddenly they're in a higher position. Sometimes this word good standing is translated high. It captures that idea of something like a pedestal. It refers to the value, though, of the standing place, not its height. It's something that's good. It's worth something. It's, it matters. And so being a deacon and serving well, what you get from that as a deacon, it's not about the respect and how many people look up to you, although that happens when you do it well. But it's about the impact and how many people you have affected. It's about making a difference in people's lives. It's about making your life count. They obtain a good standing. But that's not all. Not only do they obtain a deeper quality of life, they also obtain a deeper faith. He says, and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. He's describing a confidence that grows out of seeing Jesus at work in the church. And as a deacon, you are part of the inner workings of the church. Perhaps more than any other member of the church, you will see the challenges, the threats of the enemy to divide the church, the needs of people that can drive pastors to distraction and keep them from doing anything related to evangelism or discipleship. As a consequence of that, deacons enter into prayer with the brothers. You seek God for direction. You seek his presence and his power in the church. And then you see Jesus work. And you see him present. And you see him accomplish things. Because of that experience, your experience of Jesus increases. Your faith grows. Your experience of God will be undeniable and powerful. So why be a deacon? For a deeper life and a deeper faith. James Nickerson, serve well. Serve well. Help this church be a loving family with a shared mission to spread the gospel. Church, receive the ministry of this man. Hear him when he speaks to you. Help him as he serves among you. Pray for him as he steps into the challenges that are coming. The enemy is at work to destroy this church. But we have some godly men called deacons. And now we have James Nickerson among them. This time I'm going to ask the ordained men of the church to line up to my left on this side of the auditorium. And I'm going to ask Jill Nickerson, who will be serving with her husband, often in ministry, often praying with him, and who will be a vital part of the ministry that God has called him to do. I'm going to ask Jill to come, and if y'all don't mind, I'm going to have her sit over there on that pew where y'all are. And Jill, if you just take a seat over there. And if y'all don't mind just making some space for her. And as the ordained men of the church uh, line up to come and pray and lay hands 
on Nick. I'm going to invite the rest of the church to be in a spirit of prayer. This takes a little time, but we've got time. And um, so just be in a spirit of prayer as we lay hands on Nick. I'm going to ask the wives of the deacons and the pastors, the staff wives and deacons, uh, wives, to come and surround Jill. And if you would take some time to pray for her as well in this ministry that she's going to be a part of. Staff wives and deacons wives in the church. All ordained men are welcome to participate. You may not be a member at Wynn Baptist Church, but if you are ordained as a pastor or deacon, we welcome you to be a part of this service, especially if you're a guest of Nick's. And then ladies, if you will pray for Jill. I'm going to pray and get us started, and then we'll begin. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done. No one could have imagined in 2005 that you would take the people of New Orleans and scatter them all over the United States. And no one could have imagined that you would bring the Nickerson family to win Arkansas and how very much they would become part of our lives. We thank you, Almighty God, that you are raising this family up and you are raising Nick up to serve among us as a deacon. We pray for him. We pray for Jill. We ask you, Almighty God, to protect them. We ask you to fill them with your spirit. We ask you, Almighty God, to protect their family. Empower them and guide them as they serve among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's begin.
Father, we are grateful to you, Lord, for the privilege we've had tonight to be a part of this ordination service. Lord, you have made it happen. You are the one that has orchestrated and ordered everything that's happened tonight. We thank you for this precious couple. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do with them in the weeks and months and years to come. And we pray, Father, that we would be the kind of church that would not only support our leaders, like Nick, but we would be the kind of church that works with them, works alongside them, prays for them, and looks to them for their example so that we might grow in Christ ourselves. Father, as we prepare to receive our offering this evening, we pray that it would be an act of worship on our part. We pray, Father, that you would use our gifts to help spread the gospel and change lives all over wind, all across North America, and literally, Lord, around the world. We pray, Father, for that missionary tonight, whether he or she is here in the United States or in some foreign land. We pray, Father, that they would be encouraged, lifted up, supported at their time of need. We pray that you would keep them filled with your spirit, that they would not grow discouraged as they are on the front lines of sharing Christ. Father, receive our gifts. We offer them in faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.